And if you remember the history of that attack, of the, uh, of the Japanese team with uh, uh, was it 100, 200 airplanes or something like that, and they attacked the island, but they did not attack the airstrip because they wanted the airstrip. So which part of the group did they attack but the far island? And if you look at this picture, you can see where the airstrip is, but you can also see where it was dug out so the boats could go from that island over to this island. And just a, a neat little history, that airstrip is still in operation today. It is actually a kind of a safety net type of airstrip. In other words, if you're flying over, uh, over the Pacific Ocean and your plane has trouble, you land in Midway. And, and I know there was a 747, maybe about 10 years ago, a Delta 747 that, that landed on that, that island. Uh, you got to look out for the, for the goody birds and, and, and all those other things that are there. But the interesting thing about this was, is that the United States code breakers by a man named, let me say it right, Rockford, and this is him over here, they started intercepting all of these uh, messages and they said, there's a commonality to it. So they were intercepting 60% of the messages that Japan was uh, uh, transmitting, and they were deciphering 40% of those. So that was very, very low what they were able to decipher. But they were putting these pieces together to the point where they then decided there's going to be an attack, it's going to be on the Midway Island, it's going to be around this time, we don't know exactly where the Japanese are going to be, but we know that they're going to be there, and so we sent two and a half aircraft carriers, and I say a half because Yorktown was heavily damaged, but it still went out anyway, and we were able to defeat four of their aircraft carriers, and it's not like when the movies say, it's not like the movies, the movies make it look like the battle lasted two years, but it was actually within uh, five to eight minutes it was done. And four aircraft carriers, uh, three aircraft carriers went down, then there was a second attack, and the fourth one went down. And Japan never recovered from that. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is, this is kind of where we're at with the scriptures when it comes to looking at eternity. We get bits and pieces that God allows us to look at, and then we come up with an interpretation of it and say, maybe this piece fits this way, this way, this way, this way. Now hear me when I say this. I'm going to give you some of my opinion. I'll let you know what my opinion is. I'll just say this is my opinion. This is not, this is not orthodoxy. And what I mean is, this is an area you can disagree with me, and that's fine. We can disagree. That does not mean I'm not a Christian, nor are you not a Christian. It's just we don't know. We don't know. So with that in mind, we're going to be looking at scriptures today, and we're also going to be looking at our notes. So with that in mind, let's talk about what happens after we breathe our lives. Now, take your Bibles. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there's a couple of them in the seats for you. And I really want to go to Luke chapter 16. I didn't put it up here, but I think we need to get some, some basic uh, um, scripture for this. And so Luke chapter 16 is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. As I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm really wondering if that's not, uh, it is not a parable. I'm really wondering if maybe God opened up our eyes and this is 
an actual event that happened because this is the only story in the Bible that people consider to be terrible that's very specific, that gives names and that type of stuff. So with this in mind, Luke chapter 16, and I'm going to start at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple fine linen and lived in luxury every day. He, at his gate, he laid a beggar named Lazarus, and he was covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came that the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, the exact word is Hades, by the way, in hell, where he was in torment, he looked and saw Abraham far away, where Lazarus was by his side. He called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony. But Abraham said, Son, remember that your lifetime you received the good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides this, between us, there's a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And then he goes on and says, well, let me send, uh, send Lazarus. And he says, nope, things are done. I'm using that, just that one, I just want to focus on that one section where it talks about upon death. There's two places. There is Abraham's bosom, which is actually interpreted as a place of rest, and then you have in Hades. I find it interesting that the angels came and carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom, but at the same time, the man who died that went to Hades, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that had been maintained. So this particular scripture passage in the book of Revelation is actually talking about those who gave their life for the Lord, those who were martyred. Okay. In modern society, in modern times, that altar would be filled with I, a lot of North Koreans. A lot of North Korean uh, Christians, because they're, they're, they're paying an awful faith for, for, their, for their faith. But it says, under the altar. Now, are those people going to stand under that altar forever? I believe it's a place of honor, don't get me wrong, but are they going to stay there forever? So you put that, and you also put Luke chapter 16 together, and you see that there is going to be uh, a place that we're going to go, but isn't our final destination. We're going to find out a little bit later, it's not. It's a intermediate, a temporary state that we're going to be in, until something else significant happens. And I'm going to share with you what, what, what that is. So, we know that when we die, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts. We know that there's going to be angelic involvement. No ifs, ands, or buts. We know that there's going to be a place of residence that we're going to go to. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, back up a little bit. That place of residence is in, uh, to interpretation. Because Jesus says, in my Father's house are many... Ha! Good, I'm glad you both said that. It really boils down to your interpretation of that word. My opinion is it's going to be a room. And I do that because I've been to uh, 
India and Bangladesh, and on family compounds, they build rooms, and that's what they're referring to. Why would you want a mansion anyway? Think about this. Why would you want a mansion? Why would you want to clean that? There's no dust in heaven. Okay, well, okay. But why would you want? It's going to be, I believe it's just going to be a room. Okay, that's my opinion. Okay. We know there's going to be, we know there's going to be angelic involvement. We know that uh, Satan's involvement in our lives are going to be over. Because we're going to be in the presence of God. But not, not much else. So, upon that intermediate state, we're going to be in that intermediate state. So what else is going to happen? Side note. At that point, you're going to be judged. Now, we're not talking about heaven and hell judgment. That's later on. What we're talking about at that time is what is called the Bema judgment. Where you're going to be judged based upon what you did on this earth. And you will receive uh, rewards for that. Uh, it has nothing to do with your eternal state. It has nothing to do if you go to heaven or hell. It is basically God saying, I saw what you did, I thank you for what you did, and here's a reward. There are six crowns you're going to receive. Five crowns plus one. Okay? And let me share what they are. Let me get to it. Okay. The victor's crown. The victor's crown are for those who run the race of life faithful to Christ. Back up. What they are referring when they say crowns, there. If you remember the uh, um, uh, the the Olympics back then, you didn't get the gold medals. They put a crown on your head, a wreath, and so that's what he's referring to. You deserve this crown. Okay. So the first one is is the victor's crown. Those who run life faithful to Christ throughout the life. The other one is the crown of rejoicing. For those who share the good news of Jesus Christ, a Billy Graham, or those of you, of you in here who have the gift of evangelism, those who share the good news of Jesus Christ will receive that crown. It's called the soul-winning winning crown. The crown of righteousness, and that, that is for uh, those who anticipate heaven. They live life as if heaven will be tomorrow. If you knew that Jesus was going to come at 11.30 today, what would you do different? And that's what this crown goes to, is a person who believes and lives as if Jesus is coming today. You know things would be different. The next one is the crown of life, and that's for those who are under the altar. That's for the martyrs. Those who gave their life for Christ, and those who were willing to stand firm for Christ. The last one is the crown of glory, and that, that's for the shepherd's crown. For those who pastor God's, God's flock. I, uh, Billy Graham made the comment, somebody shared this the other day, and they said, Billy Graham made the comment before he died, and he said, I look forward to the day that I stand before God and I can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he says, I just hope I was good enough. Now, he's not referring to salvation. What he's referring to is, I just hope I, I did good enough for him in what he's called me to do. There's another crown, and that's the sixth one. This one's not found in Scripture, by the way. The crown of nothing. 
It is based upon parts of Scripture, don't get me wrong. But it, it talks about those who get into heaven just through the fire. Well, they, they did nothing for Christ on this earth. I call it the crown of nothingness. Okay, so you will receive that. You'll, you will sometime, you will stand before God Almighty, and, and He will pronounce what the Bema judgment based upon the works that you did on this earth. It's not, that is not a salvation issue, but it's the works issue, a rewards issue. Uh, some of you older people might remember the song, the hymn that was sung, Are There Any Stars in My Crowns in Glory? So that's kind of what it's referring to. Another side note, while we're there, most likely, while we're there, a lot will be happening on this earth. You will have the tribulation period. When? Is it before the rapture, or during, or after? We can debate that all you want, but we know that there will be a tribulation period. There will be a rapture. There will be a second coming of Jesus. There will be a millennial reign of Jesus where he will, for a thousand years, will reign upon this earth. Satan will be bound, and there will be relative peace on this earth. Then there will be a rebellion of nations. We know that Satan and his angels will be thrown into the lake of fire. And now this is my opinion. Those who are on the other side of the gulf will then be pushed into the lake as well. And then it is shut and it is lost. It is finished. It is done. So there's a lot that will be happening. Now do you see it or not? I don't know. I think you do. I think you do see what... I, I, I do think that for those in heaven you, you see what's going on on earth. I can be wrong on that. You know, uh, and I base that upon Luke chapter 16. Well, the, 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 last, uh, the rich man saw Lazarus. It doesn't say that Lazarus responded, but I, but I, th I think people do. Okay. All right. So much will happen during that intermediate state. Now, we know that at that point the earth will also be destroyed with fire. Let me get to this. Revelation chapter 6 9. Why am I going the wrong way? Okay. I want to show this to you. Come on. Come on. There we go. There we go. Okay. This is a fascinating verse, and I, I invite you to, to read this on your own. But it talks about the end of the world. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Or the come like a thief. If you know that a thief is coming to your house, what are you going to do? You'll be ready for him, right? Now, here's the key. Okay, a thief comes when you are less expecting him because they don't want to get caught. So you come like a thief when you're not expecting him. And then it says this, the heavens will disappear with a roar. Fascinating word here. Let me, let me get to it because i got to say it right. This is a word that is not found very often in Scripture. Very hard to interpret in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, uh, they, they interpret it as a roar. And when you think of a roar, you're thinking of a lion, right? Roar! That is not it. It's a word that is a, and i got to say this right, an onomatopoeia word. Did I say that right? Oh, thank you, because I, I can't say that word. It's an onomatopoeia word. An onomatopoeia word is a word that sounds like sounds like what it's trying to portray. For example, 
how you write that. That's H. Um, So the writer of this, of uh, Peter wrote an onomatopoeia word. Now, I'm going to try to say it right. It hurts my throat every time I say it. What he's saying is, the Hebrew word is not roar, it is rizma. And so what he's saying is, the heavens will disappear with a rizma.
and the corruption produces less perfect cells. Wow. That makes sense now. The fall produced corruption. The world is groaning in corruption. Humanity dies because of corruption. What is corruption? Corruption is sin of Adam and Eve, which they produced. Okay. So we know the earth will be destroyed with fire. And then it says the earth will be restored. Alright? 2 Peter 3.13 In keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. See that? So what it's saying is the earth will be destroyed by fire and then it will be renewed without the corruption of sin and righteousness will be renewed. And then the Christians, make sure I got this right, okay, no, I don't want to go there yet. So we'll, we'll be renewed. Then something happens. Okay, go to the next verse. Going the wrong way. I changed some things around. Okay. First Corinthians 15. At that point, Christians will be given a new, uncorrupted body and will return to the new earth. Alright. Listen. I tell you a mystery. This is Paul talking here. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and, the, and raised imperishable. See that word? And we will be changed. And for the imperishable must close itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. See that? So what will happen is, is eventually, that's why I said intermediate state, eventually our bodies will come back and reunite with our soul. At death, our soul and body separate. At the resurrection, uh, our bodies and, and our bodies and soul come back together. But this is the better part, okay? It's an uncorrupted body meaning it's going to be perfect. So you're saying, what are we going to look like? This is my opinion. I believe we're going to look like we're 23 years old. That's my opinion. Why? Because at 23 and beyond is when you start to age. That's when everything starts to fall apart, is they say at 23. So you're going to see me 100 pounds lighter, and I'm going to look good. <laughs> But anyway, jobs to do. There are things that we're going to do on the earth. And Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 talks about that. And it says, no longer will there be any curse. Remember the corruption? No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be the city, and his servants will serve him. What are we going to do? We're going to be serving him. So we're going to be doing something in heaven. What it is, I don't know. I mean, on earth. Um, even in heaven, we're going to be doing something. But even when we get here, what are we going to do? I don't know. 
Is it going to be we're going to go back to Genesis where we're supposed to take care of God's creation? Probably. And you're saying, but there's too many people. How are we going to do that? Wait a minute. Do you know if you were to take everybody on this earth right now, and the Starship Enterprise would be here, and you beam them up, and you move them all into Texas, all 7.8 billion people, and you move them and you throw them into Texas, do you know that every one of you is still going to have 100 square feet that are going to be yours? You know that? And that's just if it's Texas. So my opinion is, is that the central city is going to be Jerusalem, New Heaven, New Earth, New Jerusalem. And I, I, I really believe that we're all going to fan out and we're going to do what God wanted us to do in the book of Genesis, which is to go and subdue the earth and to manage the earth and to take care of the earth. It really came to me when I was had the COVID and I was watching... TikTok videos. Oh my So I'm watching these TikTok videos, and I come across one where these this guy's walking along and sees a turtle upside down. What does he do to the turtle? He flips it back up. Can you tell me any other animal that would do that? It's in our nature. And then you see another animal, you see the seal. You know what that seals do? And he's got a fisherman's net around his neck. And, and so the, the people tackle that seal, and they cut it off. It couldn't be done without a human. And then another one that or a bird, or something like that. So what are we going to do? I believe we're going to be taking care of God's creation. And it's going to be a joy. And I think we're going to be creative, and I think we're going to be working, and I think we're going to love every minute. So it's not going to be meaningless. And we're going to be serving the Lord. After the earth is restored and brought back new, and we're given new bodies, you know? And think about this. A billion years from now, I'm sitting here for, hey, what's your name? I am Kim Jong-un. Oh, really? Yeah, I was, a, I was a, a Christian in North Korea. Oh, tell me about it. And then you spend time and you talk about, and this is what the Lord did to me, and this is how the Lord helped me. You mean you tell me you're going to get bored listening to those stories? I love hearing those stories. So we're going to be doing stuff. And the Bible talks about the new heaven and the new earth. And, and it, it, how it's been destroyed and brought back together. So when, uh, when people talk about the fact, oh, dad is in his final home. No, he's not. There's more. There's more. Oh, heaven's going to be so boring. No, it won't. No, it won't. It's boring to watch some TikTok videos. There's going to be so much more. So, anyway, so we, we boil down to the last statement here, and, and then we're done. So, where did I find my notes? My notes? My notes? Should you be? Okay. 
as you look forward to the day of God and the speed it's coming. So he says, first thing is, look forward to it. Don't be scared of it. I'm not scared of it. How exciting that would be to wake up and hear the risen mob. Hey, kids, what I want you to do tomorrow morning, walk into your parish room <laughs> and scream real loud, Rizma! <laughs> and then call the EMS because your parents just had They're seeing Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> but that day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. Verse 13. Here's the key. But in keeping with this promise, we are all looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness is found. Yes, look forward to that. Look forward. It's not something to dread. It's not something to be scared of. It is something to be excited about. And the altar will be open today and somebody is already here. <laughs> oh. Alright, so let's have prayer and then we're going to close off the service. We're going to sing our theme song, right? You didn't change it on me. Okay. I didn't want to sing. Here we're going to sing. Oh. <laughs>